0: And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Patricia Raskin Show. Well, if you've thought of downsizing the family home, if you're in that situation, or if you have friends and relatives that are, this interview is specifically for you. I think many of us are downsizing, particularly baby boomers and people who are just moving in general, college kids. I mean, it's, it's, it's what we really need to do in our life in many ways, downsize. My guest today is Marnie Jameson, and she's the author of Downsizing the Family Home, What to Save, What to Let Go. Marnie Jameson is one of America's most loved home and lifestyle columnists. Her humorous and helpful column appears in 25 papers nationwide, reaching 7 million readers each week. She's the author of two critically acclaimed books. The House Always Wins, and The House of Havoc. She has written for many magazines, including Women's Day and Family Circle and many others, and she's been a frequent guest on local and national TV and radio, including NBC Nightly News, Martha Stewart Living, and Fox & Friends. Welcome, Marnie.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Patricia.
1: Yeah, we're excited because I'm in Rhode Island, and you are actually going to be speaking in October, on October 28th at the 11th Annual Women's Wellness Day, which is part of South County Health. This is uh, one of our wonderful local hospitals here that's been winning many awards, and you will be there being our keynote speaker talking about downsizing the family home. So we're very happy about that. It'll be nice to meet you that day.
2: I'm looking forward to it. I'm delighted to be the keynote, and I'm looking forward to meeting all the wonderful people up there and talking about a topic that is of burning importance, apparently, in uh,
1: houses all across the country. Yes, absolutely. And it's very interesting. This would come at a time when I can tell a little bit of a personal story. My daughter, who's lived in New York, in Brooklyn for years, has been in a lovely place for 14 years. And for circumstances, had to move. Um, And and because, because they were changing, the whole building was changing. So they were doing something different with it. And, you know, she moved to another place that's beautiful. But it's smaller, and it's not like a big house. It's more like an apartment, a New York apartment. And it's beautiful. But she said to me last night, well, you know, I've got to get adjusted. It's smaller. And we must have given away, you know, 40 bags to, you know, all of the wonderful charities out there. But it is, it is an adjustment when you move to a smaller space. But as she said to me... It's given her the opportunity to release a lot of things and to be in something that's new and different, which opens up new possibilities. So that's a good place to start.
2: <laughs> uh, it is. And, you know, I, I don't even like to call it downsizing. I like to call it right-sizing because yes. I think if we just continue to hang on and move forward, the path is obvious that we're just going to get more and more stuff and need more and more room unless we edit and purge and edit and purge as a lifestyle, not as a one-time effort. So I think if you're thinking about who am I now, where am I going, what am I trying to become, and not focus on who have I been and what was I, you'll let go of a lot more and you'll live in the present and you'll live life a lot more beautifully and more efficiently.
1: Don't you also think that um, when you have all that clutter, even if you can't see it, that it does affect you in some way?
2: I think it drags down your spirit. I do think you're definitely lighter and brighter and more nimble when you don't have a lot of things. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big good subscriber to the whole feng shui theory. They would believe that energy, everything holds energy, but there, there may be something to that. If you have too much stuff, it just, it just sort of sucks away some of your life. And I think if you're clean and pared down and have just what you need and no more, I, I
1: think you wake up feeling
2: a little better every day.
1: Yeah, I think the the main thing that I find is the most difficult is when you have, you know, the papers, the college papers, in my case, videotapes and audio tapes I've done for years, and files, I mean, what, and pictures and albums that you can't replace, you can't replace any of these, and you've got boxes. Marnie, what do you do?
2: <laughs> you know, I just faced that. I just opened a box today that had, Every newspaper column, when I lived in Denver, when in the Denver Post, I just saved my section. I'm like, why? It's all online. Why do I have one copy of? I mean, it's a fire hazard for one thing. So you really can let go of almost every single paper you have, and even if it features you, I think one of your best friends is a scanner. Put it in a scanner if you really want it, something that's really near and dear to you, really important to scan it if you can't find it online, and let go of the paper. Certain things you really have to have, like important insurance documents or marriage certificates, but 99% of it you can let go of.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really true. So let's look at your book here about downsizing. The first thing that you talk about in the very, very beginning is, you know, getting the might right. Getting to the right mindset and, you know, how do you do that? I mean, in terms of, and then the first cut, you know, first of all, looking at this and going, oh my God, I've got to move. How am I going to do this? You know, and I think this happens to everyone. What am I going to do with all this stuff? Mm -hmm. So head us in the right direction.
2: So, I think, I mean, I I was facing the most radical job of all, which was completely clearing out a family home. I wasn't moving, trying to downsize. I was really liquidating a house, a house that my parents had lived in for over 50 years. And they had moved into assisted living, and I was tasked with clearing that my job was to get it empty, fix it up, and sell it to pay for their Mm long-term care. Mm. So. And I was doing this from across the country. I live in Florida. This home was in Southern California. Mm. So I wasn't going to be able to put anything in the overhead compartment, right? Yes. So I really needed to get serious. And, Boy, they gave and you it, the big job. That's because this is your topic. See, Marnie, what happens? <laughs> yeah, I know. Here I am, right, living and trying to... Trying to practice what I preach. And (laughs) I I allowed myself about nine or ten days for the job, a week off work and a couple weekends, and um, I plowed through. So my mindset was get this done and get the painters in and get the place remodeled so I can sell it. But right. it required an estate sale and a lot of, you know, fast decisions and heartbreak. So I, I just wanted to share, as I was writing this, these columns along the way, my readers were pouring in emails saying, oh my gosh, I'm going through the same thing. I'm saving all your columns. Your advice is so good. Because the difference is I wasn't only going through it. I was able to call the head of Antiques Roadshow and ask them what to do with this family clock. And I was able to call the grief therapists and ask them how to get through this emotional baggage and organizers because I had... The column, and I was able to call in on experts, and they all helped me through. And I channeled that into things that worked for me, and ultimately are helping other people. But you do have to start with the low-hanging fruit, and then um, then you get it gets harder and harder the, the deeper you go, and um, and you
1: get through it. There, there's a way to do it. Yeah, it's very interesting because when I talked to my daughter yesterday, she has the last 15 boxes, and it's all papers. It's just what you said. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, the papers and the pictures and, mm-hmm. and then, and it, it, and, it, and it's tedious to go through it. I mean, I, I did some of that with her. Some of what we did was just, you know, throw away the old notebooks from college. <laughs> you know? you yes. just don't need those notes That's anymore, a you know? <laughs> good place
2: to start. Yeah, but if you haven't opened them in, a, you know, five years, you probably aren't going to. Uh, yeah, yeah those, are, those are good places to start. And you'll feel liberated when you do that. Even And this is hard for me. I'm a writer and a reader. I have two degrees in writing, and I have lots of books. But, you know, I don't really reread them. I read them, and then I leave them. And you need to let a lot of those go. So I've been giving away books as much as I possibly can and trying to lighten my load there. Mm -hmm. But that's hard because books are my friends. I feel like I have a relationship with them, but those can go too. And I'm not trying to live like some austere monk. I still want you to have things you love around you. But um, at some point, giving them away can be better for
1: you and better for someone else. Well, that's interesting you say that because I interview so many people all the time, so I get lots of books. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do, and I I mean, if I kept them all, I wouldn't have a house, right? Because I mean, so what I do is I go through them and I pick the ones that are really my favorites, you know, authors that I know or people I've connected with, and then the rest I give to the library. I mean, I'm not going to sell them. They're brand new. They've been given to me and the libraries love them. So that's what I do.
2: Yes, that's a wonderful thing to do. And I think if you can give them away to people who are going to use them and appreciate them, it, it, it makes the world a better place. So, And the same is true with Craigslist, selling, uh, selling a desk that, you know, if you don't have a student at home anymore and you don't need that desk in the second bedroom, sell it to someone who can use it. And, and it's a really great way to, to give you a little extra cash and give someone something they need. So I'm a big Excellent. believer in using the local community to share and, you know, benefit from.
1: Okay, so when you talk about, you know, the first cut in estate sales, how do you, what do you do first, Marnie? What's the first thing? Do you, do you sit down with pad and paper and explain how you would start?
2: Uh, yeah, I first I, I would start with things that are least emotional. Don't start with the photographs. And so start with something big and unemotional. A closet in a second bedroom is a good place to start. A garage is a good place to start. Someplace you can make a lot of big big moves and great, great progress without feeling totally burned out. Because if you start in the, the love letters of your parents, you're, you're never going to get done. So yes. you start there and you, get, and you get the momentum, and you're going to feel the progress. You're going to feel really great. And I, I went through a room at a time, and I did a keep, toss, sell. What, am I, what do I want, or my, does my brother want? There was very little of that. What, what is just trash, and I'll talk about that in a second because sometimes you think something's trash and it isn't. And what are you going to try to sell, and, and what is going to go into the estate sale? So I would try to reorganize things in, into like in items like what's selling, and put those group group those items together, and then what what am I throwing away, and make a big heap outside and get a dumpster, and um, and what am I keeping, and make that list very small. And it just keep moving through. And you may, you know, may make, change your mind down the way. You may, oh, I really decided I'm going to sell that after all. I really decided I'm going to keep that after all. But you make the big, big cuts and you start going. And you decide if you're going to need an estate sale, a garage sale. You know, what are you going to do to get rid of the stuff? And I, I had an estate sale and then what I didn't sell at the estate sale I sold on Craigslist. And then what I didn't sell on Craigslist I donated to charity. And, um, and you just you get, get through it. And then there's that stuff that what I call the pile of postponement, which is the photos and the papers and the love letters. And then you start to drill down on that and you leave that to last.
1: Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing is what about that thing that you don't really you don't really like? your mother your grandmother gave it to you you just don't have the heart to give it away do you give it to family I mean that's kind of what I do if if it's I want to know who has it so just in case I ever want it back I can have it even though I don't want it back
2: (laughs) what do you think oh gosh there's so much you know there's there's something I talk about in my book called endowment where nothing we own is neutral nothing anytime we've gotten something we have a story attached whether we bought it at an art fair or we got it from our girlfriend or we bought it for ourselves on our birthday, or it came from one of our children, whatever it is, and it it could be the ugliest thing, and yet we have this attachment to it. So you need to decide, is it the story, or is it the item? And tease things apart. And, and really, people aren't things. If you have a memory of your grandmother or your daughter, you know, you love people in your heart. They don't live in a piece of material material good. So you need to kind of understand what is the attachment about and work your way through that. All right. So I, All right. And I'm not saying don't be sentimental. I mean, I have my mother's pearls and I have my dad's right. tobacco can and I have things that are small and dear that they touched often and they loved. And I have them in my home, and that, that brings them close to me. But if you Wonderful. try to save everything from someone, especially things you don't care for, then it just becomes clutter. And mm-hmm. I always say, if, if, if everything is important, nothing is important. So it's All way right. better to keep a few small, cherished items mm-hmm. than a lot of big things, because that your loved one loved them, even if you don't have a place for them in your life. So let it go. Uh, don't foist them on the relatives. I think, I mean, <laughs> I was talking, I one of those okay. lines that brings mo- more tears and laughter to any crowd is the kids don't want your stuff. And, right. you know, everyone saves it because they think you don't really like it, but the next generation will. And they don't want it. They want right. to have their own stuff.
1: All right. So, so let it go. All right. I'm trying to close. I'm trying to uh, we're going to move to the next segment right after the break because we want to talk more to Marnie about down, downsizing the family home. And this book is really put, put out by AARP Real Possibilities. It's what to save and what to let go of. Marnie Jamison, who is one of America's most loved home and lifestyle columnists, get this book it's wonderful downsizing the family home you're listening to the patricia raskin show right here on voiceamerica.com Marnie's coming toward island in october we'll tell you more right after the break
3: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com.
4: Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show
1: hi everyone and we are back such a great topic today downsizing the family home and even if you're not you know someone who is. We're all around somebody who's moving in some sense. And a lot of us are downsizing now. My guest is Marnie Jamison. Her book is Downsizing the Family Home. What to say, what to let go. And this is published by AARP, um, and which is very exciting. Marnie Jamison is one of America's most loved home and lifestyle columnists. Her columns appear in 25 papers nationwide. She reaches 7 million readers every week. She's the author of The House Always Wins and The House of Havoc. She's written for Women's Day and Family Circle. She's been a frequent guest on NBC Nightly News, Martha Stewart Living, Fox and Friends, and many others. And she has a new workbook coming out as well. Welcome back, Marnie. Thank you. Okay, I also want to let our listeners know that I live in Rhode Island, and I'm very excited that you're going to be the keynote speaker at our 11th annual Women's Wellness Day, which is part of South County Hospital, now called South County Health. They just won an award for being one of the best um, local county hospitals in the country, so it's very exciting. I think they were one of 20 hospitals, and they do an annual Women's Wellness Day every year, and Marnie will be the keynote speaker, and she'll be talking about downsizing the family home so you can um log on to uh south county health and you can look up annual women's wellness day if you're in the new england area you can also log on to marnie's website which is marniejameson.com correct marnie that's right and that's m-a-r-n-i-j-a-m-e-s-o-n.com All right. Right. And you have a workbook coming out based on this book, which is what people need, Marnie. They need to write (laughs) it all down. Go ahead. Tell us about it.
2: Well, I tell you what, writing the book was my therapy, but I realized that other people need therapy, too, when they're going through the yeah. process of clearing out their yeah. family home, and one of my editors read the book, and she said, gosh, I love the book. It helped me clear out my parents' home, but I sure wish I'd had a journal to keep me, you know, support myself and put my notes down, and so I created a Downsizing the Family Home, a workbook. It's available now on Amazon, but it's not actually coming out. You can pre-order it. It's coming out in January, but it's a place where you can write down where the grandfather Father clock went. What the hardest thing to let go of? What you decided to keep? What you sold? Where you can take photographs of things that you give away, so you have a memory. So the book becomes a keepsake and not a whole bunch of stuff. So it um, it's a really great tool to kind of hold your hand through the whole process,
1: which is really great. All right, what are what else would you like? We have about five minutes. So what else would you like our listeners to know? You know that's key in making this move. Um, As emotionally pleasant as possible. I mean, you're going to have a roller coaster with this because, as you said, you know, nothing is, everything has a meaning. Everything you have has a meaning. So give us some tips for getting through it easier. Yeah, I think you need to keep
2: your eye on the ball. I think you need to look and see what it is you're trying to what are you shooting for? Are you, do you want to park both cars in the garage? Do you want to not leave an avalanche of stuff to your children? Do you want to live a beautifully organized house, life, and, and, and just have what you need and know more and get rid of the clutter? Do you want to have friends over but you're too embarrassed because your house is a mess? So you, you kind of get, keep your eye on the prize and work toward that and keep going and going until you get the visualization that you, yeah. you, you have in mind. Yeah. I think if you have that in mind... You're going to get through a lot of this. Understand that it is emotional, and I think it's even more emotional when you're dealing with someone else's things. So one thing I did not cover in the book that I was going through is I had divorced, and I was getting remarried to a fellow who had been widowed, and he'd lived in his house for 18 years, and I had moved out from my family home, and we needed to merge two households into one, and mm. he was having to let go of a house he'd lived in. For 18 years with his late wife and their three kids, mm-hmm. and we're shoehorning two two fully loaded homes into one, and mm-hmm. letting go of a lot of emotional stuff at, at once. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. if when someone has deceased or, or moved on, it's way harder to let go of their things. And
1: there's charge that
2: happens, but you have yeah. to live yeah. in the yeah. future.
1: It, it's and, interesting <laughs> that it's interesting that you had such. I mean, no, that's a complicated move. It's. I think it's because you're the expert. You know, the higher powers said, "Okay, Marnie, we're." Gonna to give you the tougher jobs <laughs> because we know you can handle them.
2: <laughs> I wish they'd stop that. <laughs> higher I know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was loaded for bear and man, this tested wow. every, everything that I had, I had learned I needed to put into practice all over again. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's eye-opening, but, you know, you have to go, This I don't want to live in the past. I want to I create something new, and this is my life going forward. And if you can edit all of your belongings with that in mind, you're going to have a much higher quality of life, and you won't feel like you're burdening yourself or anybody else. And I, I say there's a fine line between burden and bestow. So when you're thinking you're going to save things for your kids, you can bestow on them some really lovely things they might want, but more than they want is really burdening them. So be honest about that.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. I also think, and this is something I try to do, is before you're moving, whether you may not move for five years, Marnie, shouldn't you be regularly kind of cleaning out? You know, just kind of every, like every year, every six months, going through your stuff and saying, what don't, you know, what what am I not using?
2: Absolutely. Like I say, it's a lifestyle, and and it'll keep it from being a huge, overwhelming process. My parents, bless their hearts, didn't do this and when i was starting to go through their things my mother who was 89 i found her maternity clothes i'm like mom what are you doing you know i believe in medical miracles but come on she said well i thought they'd make good drapes someday no you need to let things (laughs) go so yes you need to get rid of your maternity (laughs) clothes and your letterman jacket now that you're 65 and um and move on yeah
1: yeah how interesting
2: (laughs) And, you know, your son son uniform, and now he's got three kids of his own. Time to let it go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, what would you like to leave our listeners with? What are your closing thoughts? What do you want them to take away?
2: Yeah, I think what you're saying is, is it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not a one time effort. You're exactly. going to you'll get momentum as you go. You're going to feel better and better about things, and it gets easier once you just kind of get over the initial resistance and know that you are not alone. There are so many people going through this right now. It's heartbreaking and heartrending for everyone. But the better, the lighter you can live now, the more beautifully you'll live, and the less of a burden you'll leave for the next generation.
1: That's wonderful. All right, tell people how they can find you.
2: Oh, you can find me on my website, Marnie. You can email me at Marnie M A R N I at MarnieJameson dot com. Happy to get your emails. You can find my books online at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and you can certainly come and see me at the Women's Wellness Day in Rhode Island in and October.
1: Us- yes, we're. I'm so excited. I'm going to get to meet you. And I'm this excited. Is gonna be, it's going to be at the Ocean House, which is one of the most gorgeous resorts actually in the my country. I hear it's beautiful. I think it was I'm named like early I mean, in the top the something. It's just a beautiful, it's called The Ocean House, and it's in Westerly, Rhode Island. So come on down, folks. We'd love to have you. All right. So again, Marnie Jamison. her book is Downsizing the Family Home. And you can log on to com. All right. Marnie, it's really, um, it's been a pleasure to have you on.
2: Well, the pleasure was mine. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, all right, okay, folks, and um, we're going to go to our next interview, which will be up right after the break. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's voice. We'll be right back.
4: If you're considering adoption, there are a lot of questions that you may have which need to be answered by families that have adopted, by the adoptees themselves, and by professionals. Tune in to Adoption Unscripted with your host, Micah Johnson. We bring you many of the answers you're looking for. There are so many resources and advocates in the field of adoption. It's a life-changing experience across the board. We hope you'll tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety.
3: Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That number again is 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Just wonderful guests today. They're always wonderful, but today especially. We are talking about how you can live a happier, more meaningful life. My guest is Dr. Anna Youssef, and she's an MD. She's a graduate of Stanford University and Yale University School of Medicine. She's a psychiatrist in private practice in New York City. She's helped more than 1,000 patients lead happier, more meaningful lives. And her book is Fulfilled. That's the title, Fulfilled. How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much, Patricia. It's a pleasure Anna. to be here. And I'm excited that um, Dr. Eben Alexander wrote the Forward to your book, and I've interviewed him on my program.
5: Oh, wonderful, yes. I've been as a dear friend, and he's been such a mentor throughout this process, and I've been so inspired by the work that he did to bring these ideas to the greater public, and there's nobody who I could think of as a better person to write the foreword for my book.
1: Oh, absolutely. And he had a near-death experience, didn't he, that was amazing. That's right, that's right. And he was also a Harvard-trained neurosurgeon, someone who didn't
5: believe in anything
1: on this world
5: had a very rationalist, materialist conception of the brain, and his own personal experience opened him up to this whole other way of viewing spirituality, and I certainly never had a near that experience myself, but I also had kind of a coming-to-heart moment in my own life, because I wasn't at all a spiritual person either.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's just an amazing, and, and I'd like you to talk about that. I'd like you, as a psychiatrist, I'd like you to talk about the power of the brain. I mean, we talk about neuroplasticity and how the brain changes. Our body may age, but the brain will regenerate if we give it new material and we train it to think differently. Please talk about that, because I think people don't realize that the brain really can grow and change, no matter how old we are. Right, and this is actually a relatively new theory because before it was believed that you are born
5: with all the brain cells that you, you know, are ever going to have and that all that can happen to your brain cells over time is a process of pruning and brain cell death. And now it's actually seen just over really the last um, few decades that actually the brain can indeed regenerate. There is neurogenesis or new growth of cells in the brain, especially in the region of the brain responsible for learning and memory. And And that's the hippocampus. And... That new growth is based on a number of things, including the presence of serotonin, which is a yeah. neurotransmitter our brain secretes when we feel at peace, when we feel happy, when we feel joyful or fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so we can create in our lives experiences that then lead to our brains actually changing and creating new cells and new connections and really you know, having better lives overall
1: yeah it's 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 an amazing thing i think the challenging piece and i'd like you to address this because i've dealt with this and so many of us who are looking at this new science is those core beliefs you know those beliefs that are just going to hang on and and whatever it is i should be this or i should be that and you don't have that and so you think you're less than changing those core beliefs now if you don't have as much money as you wanted or you're not as healthier as you wish you had or you don't have the relationship of your dreams and so you start to let that affect your joy can you talk about that and how you can change those beliefs around that uh, absolutely. And I think, you know, Patricia, what you're saying is actually so prevalent
5: in our society because yes. we focus so much, not on what we have in abundance, but on what we lack. And it's the capitalist model that leads us to do so because it's always about wanting more, about being more, about accomplishing more, about being, you know, better than the person next to you, you know, getting to the next level. And that's a wonderful way to be on one hand, yet what it actually often makes us forget is to be happy and grateful exactly where we're at mm-hmm. and exactly mm-hmm. the way that we're at with mm-hmm. whatever we have this attitude of gratitude that we can cultivate just mm-hmm. for even having eyes to see and a mouth yeah. to yeah. you know taste good yeah. food with and a nose to breathe you know there's actually so much to be grateful for every mm-hmm. day
1: yeah, no, I, I know, and but I think the majority of people, and this isn't to put people down. I think we don't think about that. We take it for granted. It's like you know your car's going to run, and you're just going to drive. You don't, you don't think about, gee, will my car start today? It's the same thing. I think we don't. I think we take it for granted. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. We take it for granted until life
5: hits a little bump in the road and we realize the price of taking things for granted. And we yeah. realize, for instance, that yeah. we get depressed and or we have so much overwhelming anxiety. Or suddenly we feel that we've been living our life all wrong up to this point or something tragic or traumatic happens. And only then are we forced to reevaluate some of these core beliefs and ask are these ways that I've been seeing the world are these really serving me at this point or do I need to start seeing things a little differently
1: Mm, So true. And I know one of the chapters in your book, you talk about identifying self-criticism. I think that's also very prevalent, particularly for high achievers. I mean, I hear my friends all the time. You know, I shouldn't have done that. I spent too much time. You know, I, I, I should have gotten more accomplished than I did today. I'm so angry at myself. I mean, you hear those things all the time. People just say them. Right, exactly. And, and it's really sad.
5: It actually comes from the same thing, like this focus on lack, which then yes. creates this culture of self-criticism and self-hatred. I would say that probably the number one thing I see as a psychiatrist in my office yes. is people who really just don't know how to love themselves, don't yes. know how to accept themselves and accept all the beautiful things about themselves, you know, because in one way or the other, they've been told or been led to believe that there's something wrong with them.
1: Yeah. Yes. And, and it comes, I think that comes from early on, you know, those early patterns that were drummed into you as children. And I think it does. It takes, it's not an easy thing. And I know you talk about that. And I, Do you need therapy to be able to change those patterns, Anna, or do you, can you do it on your own? I mean, that's why you've written the book, of course. Precisely, precisely, and certainly, having an
5: objective third party who you trust and with whom you're in relationship is helpful for the process. But is it a necessary prerequisite? Certainly not. Not everyone has the capacity, the income, etc., to be able to afford regular therapy. So there are so many ways that you could do this work mm-hmm. on your own. And in my book, I have a number of exercises on how to cultivate self-love and self-compassion. And you know, some of them involve really changing an implicit core belief we have about somehow I am unlovable unless I am perfect, or mm-hmm. I don't deserve to be loved
1: unless I, you know, accomplish this, or am this successful, or am this skinny, yeah. or exactly. this sad, Exactly, exactly, or, or, right, or I'll, meet to meet, I'll wait to meet someone when I'm do, doing better in my work, or when my exactly. health is improved, I'm going to wait, exactly. and you know, one day you turn around and you say, what am I waiting for, how much exactly. longer am I going to wait? Yes, and that's the other thing. I see so many people in, you know, who come
5: to me and, and as a psychiatrist because they feel unhappy. They haven't yet found their soulmate. They haven't yet found the perfect job yes. and they're yeah. waiting to be happy, yeah. you know, for that to manifest. And I was one of those people for a long time. I thought, you know, only when I find my soulmate can my life fi- finally yeah. begin. And it yeah. took, you know, a long time to really work through that because the reality is, I mean, ultimately my soulmate did come into my life, but it was only after I had done the work on myself to yeah. realize that I can't be waiting for anyone To be happy, that has to happen before, because if you find yourself, you know, looking, if you're an unhappy person waiting for your soulmate, what happens when your soulmate comes? You're an unhappy person with a soulmate. That, you know, the soulmate, no one else can complete you in that way. You have to complete yourself, and until you do, no relationship could really serve the
1: role that you hope it does in your life. I think that's true, but I think, you know, I mean, we were, a lot of us were brought up with the whole Cinderella thing, you know, the Prince Charming, and, you know, as you said, I mean, there's nothing like having a soulmate, but that person won't make you happy if you're not happy, that's what you're saying. Precisely, and the soulmate
5: is just one of the many ways in which we try to fill, I guess, our inner, you know, emptiness, People try to fill their inner emptiness through so many other means, through so many other things like addictions. You know, if our soulmate isn't there, we need to fill that void through, whether it be a drug or a behavior or achievement or workaholism, all these ways of filling an inner void. But ultimately, that inner void doesn't go away unless we learn to... Fill it with something more enduring, which is something greater than ourselves—a higher purpose, contributing to humanity in some way that's much bigger than us.
1: Yeah, so very true. We have a couple minutes before the first break. So, do you want to give us uh, give us a couple of exercises that we can do? Absolutely, absolutely. Let's do some
5: exercises focused on um, self criticism. So, um, this is actually an interesting thing. Um, it's based on the idea of projection and the idea of a shadow side, that we project onto others those things that we are most critical of in ourselves. So ask yourself the question right now, what do I find most annoying about other people? What are the things about others that most bother me? And often the answer to that question is the thing about yourself that you find somehow unlovable or reprehensible and have unconsciously pushed away or disavowed. That's mm-hmm. your shadow side. You've been mm-hmm. taught that it's not okay to be that way, so you've pushed it away, and then we project those things onto others and get annoyed when others have those qualities. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really powerful to recognize in others
1: the parts of ourselves that we've pushed away.
4: Yeah, very important.
1: All right, yeah. another one quickly. We've got about a minute before break. Yes. Another
5: exercise. So another one really is about learning how to take care of yourself and how to practice self-compassion. So in addition to integrating the shadow side, another question that I encourage people to ask themselves is, what would it mean to take radically good care of myself? How would I live my life differently? What would I say no to that I'm currently saying yes to? What would I say yes to that I'm currently saying no to? What does radical self-care mean for me? It's a reflective question and a seemingly very simple question, but also a question with a lot of deep and profound layers.
1: Very important. So those are things you have to answer, and you can answer them on paper as well. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Dr. Anna Yousim. She is a psychiatrist in New York City, graduate of Stanford University and Yale University School of Medicine, and her brand new book, is called Fulfilled. How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin show right here on voiceamerica.com. America's voice will be right back.
3: Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Do you long to have a better love life? Relationships can be hard, but throw sexual problems into the mix and it's almost impossible to keep that close connection you want to have. Colette Milan, sex and relationship therapist, has been there. She will give you sound advice to turn your libido back on and bring the love back into your lovemaking. Tune in to Making Love with Colette Milan every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety.
3: What is your purpose? In the journey that we call life, our values are pre-programmed into us before we're born. During our lives, we pick up life's lessons and soul connections along the way. We explore this path on Soul Sessions with Solstice, featuring hosts Delena Davis and Rita McRae. Our program is designed to help you more confidently live from your heart and not just your head. Tune in live for Soul Sessions with Solstice every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That number again is 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin
1: Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. I'm very excited about this topic and about my wonderful guest. Her name is Dr. Anna Usum. She's an MD psychiatrist. She is both Stanford trained as well as Yale University Medicine trained, and she has a practice in New York. And her brand new book is called Fulfilled How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. Welcome back, Dr. Usum. Welcome back, Anna.
5: Thank you so much, Patricia.
1: All right, so let's talk about, um, you know what, I just opened to this page in your book, and I love it because I kind of live by this. You have a chapter called Synchronicity, and I look at synchronicity as there are no coincidences. When things are just lining up, then you know you're on the right path. You just know because you're looking at something, and it all fell together, and you just went, how did that happen? That is something greater than yourself. Talk about that.
5: Absolutely, and that's exactly um, what synchronicity is. Just like you said, it's a coincidence, but it's a meaningful coincidence. It's a coincidence that's meaningful to you specifically because somehow or another it's reflective of a greater order to the universe that, um, you know, for instance, you think about someone and they call, or you have a dream about someone that you haven't heard from or seen in years and suddenly you bump into them on the street the next day, right? Totally random, but on the other hand, perhaps quite meaningful as well. And often a series of coincidences or synchronicities in that vein is the universe telling you you're on the right track, keep going. A series of negative coincidences or negative things happening one after the other could be change course. Something's a little bit off in your life, in the way that you're thinking about things, in the way that you're doing things. So synchronicity is really, like you said, part of something greater and a form of guidance that the universe or whatever it is that you're tapped into that's greater than you can give you. And that guidance can come from outside of you or it can come from inside of you. Synchronicity is an external form of guidance and an internal form of guidance is more
1: intuition. Amazing, yes. And a question I have that I think is interesting is how did this all come about in terms of psychiatry and the way we think about the brain? Because as you said, you know, before, many years ago, The scientists thought that, you know, once your brain is set, it's set. And now we have this whole science about neuroplasticity and how the brain can change and evolve as we change our thinking patterns. When did this all start happening? Right. You know, this it's so
5: interesting because as I was at Stanford University in the late 90s, the research was just being done by Susan McDonnell and also by Robert Sapolsky, in whose lab I was working. They were showing about neurogenesis in the hippocampus and things of that nature. And Dr. McConnell was; she had a lab where she was dedicated really to this, to some of the cu- cutting-edge work on this subject. And at Johns Hopkins, they were doing important work as well. Um, and it really changed the age-old paradigm that The brain really doesn't change. The only thing that brain cells can do is die. And now, no, actually that's not the case, that we can have experiences. We can have learning that takes place. We can experience certain emotions and affect states that regenerate certain parts of our brain to enable us to learn more, to,
1: you know, really have better lives. So, so important yeah and And do you find in working with your patients that this is really what results are you getting from working with your patients with this kind of new focus? Yeah, and so in my practice, I have the traditional
5: medical training, so a traditional psychiatric focus, together with a more spiritual approach to the patients who are interested and open to that. And Mm -hmm. I found that combining the two yields more thorough, faster healing than using just the traditional approach. That being said, not everybody is open to spirituality in their treatment or wants or needs that. And that's completely okay for people who are not as open. The psychological approach or the psychiatric approach alone
1: also will get you to where you need to get. So you, you, which is very good because you can work with both. Do you find, Anna, more people are open to the spiritual aspect or not? I mean, is it 50-50 or is it 75-25 in percentages? I mean, where is it? Well, probably in my practice, it's about
5: 75% are open, maybe 25 are less, but that's because it really is my interest area, so patients generally know that this is kind of my approach. You know, that being said... Spirituality, a lot of people think of it as religion and, you know, having a religious orientation. And for some people, indeed, that's what spirituality means. Mm-hmm. But my definition of spirituality is really being connected to something greater than oneself, be it the mm-hmm. universe or a shared global vision or a set of values, like universal values consistent with love and trust and hope and perseverance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it does not have to be religious at all. think You know, think of spirituality more as something that's about how you live your life and the values that you espouse. So, I have in my practice many atheists, many agnostics who are deeply spiritual people and with whom we use the spiritual
1: approach very often. Yeah, very interesting. All right, we have a few minutes. So, what would be your message for our listeners? What is it that you would really like them to know that would help them?
5: Yeah, I think that. You know, if ever you feel stuck in your life and you've been doing whatever it is that you're doing to get well and feeling it's not working, I have been there too. And that's really what got me on my own path. And the three Mm. things that I feel is what helps people to heal is number one, connecting to your authenticity. Number two, starting to live according to your soul correction, which is. You know, understanding those challenges that come up in your life again and again and again and how in this lifetime you're supposed to overcome them. That that's really part of your life course. The challenges are actually the process itself. That's why you've come into this world.
1: And number three, connecting to part of something greater. which Which is so important. How can people get your book?
5: So it's available at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at any online or in-store bookseller, or on my website, www.annayusim, which is A-N-N-A-Y-U-S-I-M, as in Mary, dot com.
1: Okay. Do you also uh, do webinars or uh, seminars or conferences? Absolutely, absolutely. I do talks um, throughout
5: the country, and so there's a list on my website, and also I've done a number of other podcasts, audio podcasts, video podcasts, interviews that are also on my website.
1: Again, and uh, if you could just give out your website again, please.
5: Of course, that's www.annayusum.com, and that's spelled A-N-N-A-Y as in yoga, U-S-I-M as in Mary.
1: It's been really wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you so
1: much, Patricia.
5: It's such a pleasure.
1: Thank you. All right, let's just repeat this now. Dr. Anna Yousum, MD. The forward to her book is by Dr. Eben Alexander, MD also, and he was the New York Times bestseller of The Proof of Heaven. Her book is Fulfilled, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. Dr. Youssef is in New York City. She's a graduate of Stanford University and the Yale University School of Medicine. And again, she's a psychiatrist, and her book is Fulfilled, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. And you can go again to AnnaYoussef.com, correct? Correct. All right. All right, folks. Again, thanks for a wonderful interview, Anna. Remember, folks, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, check me out, patriciaraskin.com. Go on to my Facebook page, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources, and like it. And if you write to me, uh, I will be happy to put you on my newsletter list. Until next time, have a great week. Bye for now.